Hello football fans and welcome to another edition of Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host Dave Holcomb, a podcast that comes out every week on our website footballnation.com. We're going to change up our show a little bit this week. Uh, The Sunday night game just ended. Uh, The New Orleans Saints got their first victory of the season defeating the San Diego Chargers 31-24. But uh, in case you haven't noticed, the baseball playoffs have started and uh, the center of our first segment um, is going to be about fans choosing between watching the NFL uh, Sunday games and the baseball playoffs. And uh, we're bringing in a couple guests today. Uh, Our first one, Spencer Parody, an avid football and baseball fan. Thanks for coming on the show today, Spence. Thank you, Dave, for having me. Uh, Spencer is a student at Syracuse University. Uh, Like I said, he is an avid uh, baseball and football fan. Uh, fan of the Giants in football, the New York Giants, and uh, the Boston Red Sox. Can, can you explain that to, uh, to our listeners, Spence, uh, how you ended up with that kind of weird pairing? Yeah, it's not very common to hear someone be a Giants fan and a Red Sox fan. Uh, in my area, I'm from Connecticut, so it's literally in the middle between New York City and Boston. So as a kid, when I grew up, my dad was a Giants fan, and he was a Red Sox fan, so I followed his pursuit. But it was kind of like the Patriots recent years have always been kind of like the Yankees of football in the sense that, like in my area, we don't like the Patriots because they were going to move to Hartford early 2000s, but they decided to build a new stadium instead of Foxborough. So people in Connecticut were upset for a while at Robert Kraft and the Patriots. Right, and then the Patriots ended up like you said, really dominating the league there for a while in the early part of the last decade. And even into now, they they still have a premier team in the AFC. They're always in it. <laughs> right, and the Patriots today defeated the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning. Uh, but let's get into uh, the baseball playoffs. Uh, today, all four series were going on. A couple days ago, we had the the play-in games, the wild-card mm-hmm. uh, single elimination games. How about that uh, infield fly, Spence? I actually have not seen the call, but I heard <laughs> about it, and it sounds like it sounds like the Braves just didn't get a you know a fair break. But to be honest, I didn't see the play, so I have I didn't get to analyze it. You know, it, interesting. I heard somebody say that the sixth umpire might have influenced the call with the left field umpire actually making the decision to call the infield fly, he had a different angle of the field than, you know, the infield ump, mm-hmm. who might might be like, he's not, in, the ball's obviously not in the infield, but yeah. to the outfield ump, it kind of was. But anyway, um, you saw today that the the Tigers took a 2-0 I did. lead. I did. Game-winning sack fly from the Tigers <coughs> to beat the A's. That's a series that I'm actually most intrigued with is the Oakland A's and the Tigers. And we have a different setup this year, kind of unique with the 2-3 format in the yes. first round. Yes, I was I was surprised by that move, but I think it's actually a good move for baseball to try something different, you know, and I'm a huge fan of the, you know, the extra wild card game and to have the two wild card teams play each other. I thought it was great for baseball and I 
I really like the moves that they've made so far. Certainly makes it more interesting. More teams are in it. You get two extra playoff games. So, Spence, today, what did you end up watching more of, you think? Uh, more baseball or, or more football? I ended up watching more football today, but I really wanted to watch the, the playoffs today. I I didn't get a chance to watch any of the games, really. I, I watched the Giants beat the Browns, which I was happy about. Mm-hmm. And... I watched a little bit of the Chargers and Saints game, as well as your Steelers and the Eagles. <laughs> but I didn't really get to watch the games. I watched one of the games the other night on uh, Saturday when it was game one of the A's and Tigers. I saw Verlander versus Jared Parker, right. and that was a great matchup. And I watched a little bit of uh, the Reds and Giants game, and that was another another great, great game with the Reds winning. And uh, as we spoke, the Reds were up. 4 nothing on the Giants, so they might be up 2-0 entering Cincinnati Game 3, which... Quite an accomplishment yes. to win both road games. Yes, yes, which would be different because now you could possibly clinch home instead of going on the road to clinch it for Game 3, which right. is different. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Nationals won Game 1 on the road I saw today that. I as saw well. That. They beat the Cardinals, another great team. Coming back in that game to, t- to score two runs in the eighth inning yes. as well. Yeah. So I, I think, in my opinion, what I watched today, kind of similar to you, um, I watched the Steeler game at 1 o'clock, uh, then watched baseball after that. So I, I kind of took the approach baseball comes first, unless it's my team. Yes. So I watched the Steelers. Yeah. Um, though I did watch parts of the Sunday night game because of the rain delay that was in Baltimore. That's another a game that I have not had a chance to look at, but I'm very interested in that series to see how the Yankees and the Orioles... Orioles finally, you know, back in the playoffs. You know, great for the city of Baltimore. Like Baltimore is a baseball city, in my opinion. Yeah, so it's I, great I agree. to see. It's great to see that there's finally a playoff game, and it's against the Yankees, so that's even better. <laughs> right. You know, big, big, big rivalry there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's so weird to think that Baltimore wears purple in football and orange in baseball. Yeah, yeah, that's very, and that they're the same. Like, they're totally different teams when you think about the styles of play. That's true. You, know, you, you kind of think of the... They're both birds. They're both birds. <laughs> but uh, you think that the Orioles... You think of Cal Ripken Jr. and really classy yes. organization. Yeah. Not that the Ravens aren't classy, but they just... They, uh, they have that mean attitude. Right. That, like that pound, like get-in-your-face attitude. It's a lot different culture. Right, exactly. You know? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, but yeah, I think even with the recent success from the Ravens that I still think it is a baseball place as well. Yeah. Baltimore, Maryland area. Yeah, I would agree. I agree. Like Camden Yards is meant to be filled up every night. So, real quickly, what did you think of the Giants game today? Giants game, they started off sloppy. The very first play, the offensive drive, you know, Ahmad Bradshaw had a fumble on his own player. Chris Nee elbowed him. And so, they already... You know, Trey Richardson looked very impressed. I'm very impressed with him. It took numerous Giants players to tackle him, and he looks like he's the real deal. You know, like I know mm-hmm. it's only only five games into the season, but he looks like he's you know worth the third pick overall, and he's gonna be special for the league. The Giants, I was very pleased they scored. They were down 14 nothing, and they were able to score, go on a 27 to three run, and they really just mm-hmm. took it to the Browns. Yeah, and it shows the difference between the Browns team and the Giants team. Not so much. In talent-wise, but coaching-wise, Giants are more of a veteran team and more disciplined, and the Browns are still a very young team and experienced, and they still have a lot of growing to do. 
Yeah, I, I believe age-wise, the Browns are the youngest team yes. in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I don't think Pat Shermer is that good of a coach. At least we haven't seen it so far. But to your Trent Richardson point, I agree that he, I kind of was skeptical about him just because of Mark Ingram. Yeah. A, a guy that had a lot of, from the same college, had a lot of hype uh, going into the NFL. And Ingram hasn't exactly panned out just yet. He still could. Mm-hmm. Um so I didn't know what to think of Richardson, but he looks like the real deal. And maybe even worth trading up one spot and giving yes. up a lot of picks to get. It's funny you said that because I had a conversation with my friend Christian about that whole debate with the Browns drafting. They moved up one spot to get Trent Richardson. Right. And he made an excellent point. When You know what? If you have a lot of interest in that player, even if it's only one spot, you can't take that risk. You can't assume that that guy is going to fall to you, fall into your laps. You have to make the move that you think is necessary for your franchise, even if it's one spot over, even if you know that they're not going to take them, you have to make that move. And Right, and so far, Richardson looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're just about out of time, but uh, going forward in the baseball playoffs, what do you expect? You can make predictions, or what are you, what are you most excited besides? And you mentioned the A's, Tigers. What else are you excited about uh, for the rest of the month? I just want to see good... Good baseball. You know what? I like to see a team like the Oakland A's who nobody had any expectations for them. And you know what? Just proving a bunch of people wrong. So they're proving that saying, you know what? Money does not buy you talent. They're winning with young pitching and great defense. And I just want to keep seeing great baseball. Honestly, like, you know what? The teams that are hot, I want them to keep rolling. I, I want, I'm all about the underdog. So like, I like to see a team like Oakland and a team like Baltimore as well as Washington, like the whole Beltway area. Like I'm glad for them that their you know baseball is back. Mm-hmm. And my prediction, the World Series, it's bold, but I'm going to say the A's Nationals, and I said the Nationals in seven. And that's even a toss-up then. Like either team, both teams are playing extremely well. Nationals have been riding well all 162-plus games, but the A's are hot when it matters. So it's fair game, and good luck to everybody, you know, each team. Right, uh, I agree with you, Spence. Actually, off off air, we did our predictions the other day, and I agree with you. I had the A's though winning over the Nationals yes. in seven games, and the A's, yes. of course, are in trouble. They are going home, but they're in trouble. But yes. it should be a very exciting month of October with both baseball and and football on the weekends and and everything to watch. I, hey, Dave, from our you know our teams around the playoffs, but. I enjoy watching the rest of the playoffs with you. Pirates and Red Sox, hopefully another another year they can rebuild and things will be different. Maybe we'll have a rematch of the 1903 World <laughs> Series soon. That would be a good series, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for coming on today's show, Spence. Thank you, Dave, for having me. It was a pleasure to be on here. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're actually going to come back with another guest, uh, Cooper Allen. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at DMHOLCOMB or email me, DMHOLCOMB06 at gmail.com. You can also get more Football Nation news on Facebook at Dave's Football News. 
We uh, I sent out a tweet earlier today, also posted on that Facebook page, uh, asking our fans uh, out there uh, what they were watching today. Um, as Spencer and I were deciding between baseball and football, and everybody else out there has the same choice. And um, only one uh, comment back um, from uh, on, on my, my Twitter page, and um, this, this fan actually said uh, a little bit of both, and NASCAR. So I guess uh, NASCAR is also popular on Sundays. Uh, so, But I'd love to hear uh, other input from other fans around there uh, on what they're watching uh, this month or what they've watched this past weekend. And we can uh, stir a debate on uh, which one uh, is more popular or should be watched. But uh, anyway, going into uh, the second part of our show, we have a great interview with Cooper Allen. Uh, I've talked to him on the phone a little bit earlier on Sunday, and uh, we had a great conversation about the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they they did lose this past week and have dropped to 4-1, but they're out to a really great start. Uh, and they're competing out there in the NFC West. So we're going to go to that interview now with Football Nation contributor Cooper Allen. Thank you very much, Cooper, for coming on the show today. Not a problem, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to bring you on, and we're also excited about uh, the Cardinals' start to the season so far. A little uh, you know, uh, black mark, I guess, on Thursday with their first loss, but a 4-1 start, you have to be very happy. Uh, let's get into Kevin Cobb. Uh, there was a quarterback controversy with him and John Skelton. Uh, both didn't play very well in the preseason. Skelton wins the job, gets injured, and then Kevin Cobb reels off four wins. You mentioned Andre Roberts, uh, kind of an emerging wide receiver in the league. Uh, I'm sure a lot of fantasy people are probably wondering, you know, what what's to come of him the rest of the year as a possible um, fantasy pickup. Right, that's a really key point, the, the one-on-one coverage with you know the other side of the field blanketed, uh, trying to take away Larry Fitzgerald. Um, going to the defense, uh, what, what players have stuck out to you so far this year and in, in why the Cardinals have been able to be a top defense this year?
he quietly had a big year. Had over 100 tackles. Uh, was tied for first among all inside linebackers in sacks. And he can, he's continued it this year. And he's, I think he has three or four sacks already this year. And he's also racking up the tackles. He's been the leader of that defense. And even with some of the bigger names like Adrian Wilson and Darnell Dockett, he's the one guy who stepped up and is taking over already. Going to Thursday's game, like we said, uh, it was a little bit of a um, black mark, I guess, on the Cardinals' season so far. They went into New England, got a victory there, big big win, really beat up Philadelphia. But on the road against division rival, uh, really struggled, gave up nine sacks. Uh, you see the offensive line being a problem, maybe going to hold this team back? Um, I can absolutely see it being a problem. Like The two things most people pointed to at the start of the year were quarterback play and the offensive line. So far, the quarterback play has been pretty solid, but the offensive line has struggled mightily the past two games, like Levi Brown and Jeremy Bridges going down really hurt them at the start of the year, so now they have rookie Bobby Massey and career backup Anthony Batiste starting a tackle, and we've seen the result of it over the past two games, just barely edging out Miami and then losing to the Rams this past Thursday. Right. Uh, going forward, uh, the next four games for Arizona, they have a home game against Buffalo, uh, out-of-conference game, then at Minnesota, home against San Francisco, which will be a huge game if Arizona can keep this up, uh, po- possible matchup between the top two teams in the West, and then going to Green Bay before their bye. Uh, what can we expect the next few weeks from the Cardinals? Uh, yeah, they have a few tough games coming up. Um, obviously, Minnesota has been a standout team this year, and they've have, have had a pretty surprising start. Uh, but highlighting that San Francisco game on Monday Night Football, that's the one that uh, most fans and probably the entire team has a star beside to watch. Um, both teams, they don't like each other. The fan bases don't like each other. The coaches don't like each other. The players don't like each other. And these are the two teams that are sitting atop the division right now. They're obviously, they're going to be looking to get the early edge on one another, so it's a huge game for this team. Um, yeah, they're going to, like, they have to find a way to stop the great pass rushers on San Francisco. It's going to be a game of two top defenses. Um, it'll be great to watch. Yeah, like Cooper mentioned, that is a Monday night game coming up in three weeks right before Halloween, so we'll get a maybe the real first test for the Cardinals to see if they could be a playoff team and then they end the season at San Francisco week 17 yep those are two big games for the Cardinals uh, week 8 is obviously like I just said was one that we've been looking forward to for a while now and that will be the game that really proves whether Arizona is a playoff team or not in my opinion switching over to the team that beat uh, Arizona the St. Louis Rams, a team that's really been disarray the last few seasons. They brought in Jeff Fisher to be their head coach. For the first time in a while, they're above 500 at 3-2. and two. They really had an excellent uh, defensive line uh, play, obviously, on, on Thursday. But with, with the young players, Chris Young, uh, or I'm sorry, Chris, Chris Long, um, Robert Quinn, and then the rookie, Michael Brockers, uh, is it too early to say this is one of the best defensive lines in the league, Cooper? Um, yeah, I guess it'd be. It's a 
little bit too early to say that, but <laughs> at the same time, they just put up nine sacks. Like, not, not many defensive lines do that. So they're on the right track here um, with Jeff Fisher. He seems to have the team under control. They have a few holes um, on both sides of the ball. But I think with a solid offseason, they are a team that we can look towards as uh, potentially a playoff contender. All right, last question before I let you go, Cooper. Uh, predictions for the rest of the season in the NFC West. Uh, will we see two teams in the playoffs from this division, and, and who's going to win the, the division crown? Um, I think the 49ers will reign supreme as a division champs. Um, but the, the other three teams, it's, uh, it's pretty much a wild card. You never know. Um, they're all, uh, all three teams. They've got solid defenses. And they're very, very similar molds. Uh, you never, you never know which team is going to show up. And if they can stay consistent, uh, it would not surprise me at all if there's two, maybe even three teams in the playoffs from the NFC West. Quite incredible uh, statement right there. Just uh, unbelievable. I would say a month ago, anybody thinking that. Uh, two or three teams from the NFC West would make the playoffs. Anybody would think you were crazy. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so that's what the NFL brings. And I think it's key to bring up that Ken Wisenhunt has successfully uh, transformed this team from you know the Kurt Warner aired-out team to uh, play defense and take care of the ball type of offense with Kevin Cobb. Really incredible what he's done. Absolutely. Ken Wisenhunt is the Cardinals' most successful coach to date. He's uh, completely turned this team around. Uh, he's brought in a few great guys through the draft. Uh, I mentioned Dale Washington earlier. He was a great pickup. Uh, O'Brien Schofield, Sam Acho. None of these guys were first-round picks, but they're all contributing greatly to the defense. All right, I want to thank you one more time, Cooper, for coming on our show. This has been great. Once again, that was Football Nation contributor Cooper Allen, uh, avid uh, Arizona Cardinal fan and a great writer here at footballnation.com. And uh, once again, we thank him for coming on the show. Uh, we hope to bring him on and, and Tom Pollan. We had a little bit earlier in September, the Bears fan. Uh, I love uh, talking to fans around the country, getting their perspective on those teams. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with our fourth and long segment. And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. And we're going to go to our fourth and long segment now as we approach the end of our show. Uh, one football game that I watched in its entirety, just one uh, this week besides the Cardinals and Rams game on Thursday, the Steelers and Eagles, the battle for the Keystone State taking place in the Steel City. The Steelers clipping the Eagles 16-14 to on a last-second Sean Sweezum field goal. Uh, an article written by Mark Miller, uh, the series, hero and zero of each game. Of this game, he had uh, two from each team, uh, the hero being Richard Mendenhall for the Steelers. The hero for the Eagles was LaShawn McCoy, 
and the zeros, Willie Colon, the offensive guard for the Steelers, and Michael Vick. I'm going to grunt with all of these choices. Uh, this was a real sloppy game at the start in the first quarter. Um, the Steelers could not move the ball at all. Uh, they committed, for the game, I believe committed more than 100 yards worth of penalties. A uh, vast majority of those came in the first quarter, probably more than 50 yards, uh, believe it or not, were in the first quarter. But finally, in the, in the middle of the second quarter, the Steelers got things going offensively, and they found Rashard Mendenhall returning uh, in this game, his first game of the season. You thought it might be a little bit of a slow start for him. It's his first game back from ACL surgery. Not at all. He, he looked like he'd been playing all season long, 81 rushing yards on just 14 carries. So great average of 5.8 yards per carry. Uh, the Steelers had been averaging something like 2.2 yards per carry in the first three games. Very, very low average. Uh, and Isaac Redman looked more powerful today with, with Mendenhall back. So that Steeler running game really got going and really was the difference in this game. And you could say say the same for the Eagles. LeSean McCoy kept them in this game. McCoy scored uh, the first touchdown that got, brought the game to 10-7, uh, cut the Steeler lead in the third quarter. And McCoy ran for many first downs in the fourth quarter to extend that second touchdown drive, eventually giving the Eagles uh, the 14-13 lead um, with two minutes to go. Uh, specifically, I remember uh, it was a fourth and one from their own 30-yard line the Eagles were going for, and McCoy looked like he was going to be stopped behind the line, but with his second effort, dove forward and got the first down, extended the drive, ended up being that touchdown that gave the Eagles the lead and ultimately almost gave them the game. So both running backs really shined in this game. Willie Colon, not a very good pass blocker, I'd say, in this game. Definitely did not have a very good game. Committed several holding penalties. Um, I don't think there were any false starts, but it was a rough game for, for Cologne. Uh, Roethlisberger wasn't sacked in this game. And Cologne, you know, he wasn't that bad on for rushing, actually. He was pretty good. Um, that offensive line, obviously, like I said, the, the running game got going, so the offensive line got some push up front. But for the pass blocking... He took the Steelers out of some drives with the penalties he committed. And Michael Vick on the on the Eagles' side, again, question of ball security. Didn't throw any interceptions, but fumbled the ball three or four times, lost two of them. One of them was in the first quarter on the three-yard line. They're going in for a score. They'd at least get a field goal, probably a touchdown. And he fumbles it into the end zone, and it's recovered by uh, the Steelers' Larry Foote, the linebacker. That That can't happen. Uh, and it completely changed the complexion of the game. If the Eagles go up 7 nothing there, uh, the, the game is totally, totally different. Uh, so once again, Eagles lost the turnover dif- differential, can't take care of the ball on offense. It, this Eagle defense looked good, especially in short fields, and kept them in the game. Uh, some of that, I think, was the Steelers' inability to um, execute, especially with the, their penalties. But... Um, the Eagles offense has to do a better job of, of taking care of the ball and giving not giving short fields for their defense uh, if they're going to be a true Super Bowl contender. But great article from Mark Millen, Miller. You should uh, check it out. We're going to go to our next article actually from Cooper Allen and talking about that NFC West, uh, something that just came out 
very early Monday morning. NFC West review, are the Rams a legitimate playoff contender? I don't know. Maybe I had some influence uh, in this article. But um, I'm, uh, I'm going to pooch punt this away. I, I, I'm not... I really like the Rams, and, and as mentioned with Cooper Allen, I think they have a really great foundation at defensive line uh, with those young guys that we spoke about earlier. Are they a playoff contender right now? Yeah, right now I guess they are at 3-2, and two, but the NFC is really crowded this year. I mean, you really have three teams in, three teams in the NFC East that I think could make it, and Redskins aren't that bad. They're actually pretty good. Um I mean, all right, so we won't count the Lions in the NFC North, but the Vikings are off to a great start. You think the Packers will get it together, even though now they're below 500 to 2-3. and three. The Bears crushed Jacksonville today. They've had a pretty easy schedule, but they're doing really well. All right, that's three or four more teams. Really only have Atlanta in the South. But then you have three or four teams in the NFC West if you count the Rams. So I think the Rams can contend. So... I wouldn't punt this too far away, but I think at the end of the day, um, the Rams are not going to end up uh, a, a playoff contender. I think for them, you know, the goal is a winning season. The goal is eight or nine wins um, to get back on that winning track. And, and as Cooper suggested earlier, a team to look out for perhaps next year after they fill in a couple more pieces and Jeff Fisher gets a season under his belt. And for our last article by Wesley Van Anden. The 6,000-yard passer coming to a season near you. Uh, this is something that I tweeted about jokingly uh, over, <laughs> the, um, the, over the summer with one of my, my own articles. But um, I'm punting this away. I, I think, could it, could it happen? Look, I've seen a lot of records broken that I never thought would be broken. One of them tonight... Uh, by Drew Brees himself breaking John Unitas' consecutive games with a touchdown uh, touchdown pass. Uh, by the way, congrats to Drew Brees for that record. So uh, I, I think it's possible to have a 6,000-yard passer. Uh, referencing baseball one more time, another thing that I didn't think I would ever see is the Triple Crown. And congrats to Miguel Cabrera in achieving that um, record in the first Triple Crown in 45 years. Incredible. Um, but 6,000-yard passer, I don't think the NFL is there yet. Uh, could it be soon? Yes, I, I think Van Anden makes a great argument in his article, and you should check it out, and, and has argued that Drew Brees is on pace for 5,400 yards again, and guys like Joe Flacco is on pace for 5,000 yards this season after five games. It's just incredible. Like Brandon Whedon, right now, at his pace, he's on track for 3,988 yards. A, a rookie quarterback that was just atrocious in his first week hasn't really been that good at all this season. Doesn't have a win yet, and he'll throw for 4,000 yards. So it's just a very pass happy league. Uh, I think some of it's come back down to earth. You know, you see teams like the Saints, even the Packers. These these teams that really didn't play much defense last year. Um, are struggling, uh, at least right now they're struggling, but the NFL hasn't changed that much. We still have uh, a lot of passing and inflated passing numbers, to say the least. 
So that's all we have for the fourth and long segment. I suggest you check out those articles that I referenced. We're going to take another quick break, and then we'll come back and wrap up today's show. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm Dave Holcomb. Once again, you can contact me at my email, dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter, dmholcomb, and you can follow me on Facebook as well at Dave's Football News. That's all we have time for today. I hope everybody enjoys those baseball playoffs and the football coming this week. We have a great Monday night matchup if you're listening on Monday. The New York Jets taking on the Houston Texans. Texans trying to stay undefeated and join the Atlanta Falcons at 5-0. and And then on Thursday, the Pittsburgh Steelers are visiting the Tennessee Titans. Chris Johnson trying to get back on track. And the Steelers are going to try and win back-to-back wins for the first time this season. That's all we have for today. I'm Dave Holcomb. I'm going to try and find some peace in my mind. 